Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben, and today's episode is all about leadership and leadership in the outdoors. Before we get started with all the details, we need to give thanks. I guess as of this recording, it was four days ago, Israel, maybe it's three days ago, Israel uh, went to war with Hamas, and some of the videos and things that are coming out are horrific, demonic, twisted, gross, um, just pure evil. And I'm just super thankful that I live in a country that hopefully wouldn't allow that. Like if somebody came to our borders and was, was trying to, to come in to do that, hopefully our government would come in. And if our government doesn't, then hopefully we the people would come together to to annihilate, to wipe out that, that kind of evil. Um, but yeah, it's it's just such a strange time. But I am thankful that I feel safe as of this recording, I feel safe, and I'm thankful for that. Safe yeah. for me and safe for my family, you know. Absolutely. What I'm thankful for today is it, it. you mentioned where we live, and I'm thankful that we live in a country people want to get beat down all the time, whether they love what's going on now. And if you polled 100 people, I bet very few of them would say they love what's going on now in the United States of America. But there are still amazing things. We still have the freedom one, to prepare to defend ourselves. We still do. At yeah. this time, we still have that freedom. That feels so good to prepare and plan. We have the freedom to do that. We have the freedom to speak out against evil like Hamas, really without consequence at this time. Right. And that yes. is a blessing. We have the freedom to create a podcast and say whatever we want to say on it and to think of new content every single day. You know, sometimes... Most of the time, you and I have plenty to say, but sometimes we're like, man, what are we going to talk about this week? We have the freedom to do that. We have the freedom to come up with whatever we want to say and and to, and to do it from our heart. And really, our only accountability in that for us as Christ followers is are we honoring Christ with our words and, and what we're saying? But outside of that, there's not a whole lot of account, accountability for the freedom that we have in speech uh, to put what we our beliefs out there and into the world. Yeah, that, that you know, it, I fear that that could literally flip overnight. Well, so, absolutely, yeah. Just it, so it, thankful, yeah, very thankful for all of that. That's yeah. the reason to be thankful for yeah. it is because, yeah. well, there's so many reasons. One, because men and women have fought and given their lives and there's been so much sacrifice for it, but also that it is more fragile of a freedom than we believe it is because we're so used to having it. I've had it my entire life. I know no other way, and so many billions of Americans are the same way. We mm-hmm. know no other way, but it is a fragile freedom, and it can be taken, so I'm going to give thanks for it now while I still have it, and hopefully I have it my whole life. Yes, sir. Yes. So the topic today is leadership. You know, why we're talking about this today, one— Ben, you and I both love the the concept of leadership. We we like studying it. Both of our graduate programs, two different schools, two different programs, focused a lot on leadership. Your actual degree title is organizational, organizational leadership. leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, so diving into that field of study, having been in leadership roles, which everyone, believe it or not, whether they like it or not, even children are in some type of leadership role, really right now. 
uh, with peers that they're around or family. So it affects every person on the planet. Leadership. Everyone's either a leader or a follower. So the outdoors needs great leaders right now. Mm-hmm. It, it really does. Whether you are uh, what we call on the rec side, whether you love to, to hike and backpack or hunt and fish, there are hot topics and points of controversy that are going to require great leaders and stewards to preserve those things for future generations. And we're going to talk about really what a leader is, different types of leadership, and then we're going to get into what we believe a good leader is and what the Bible says a good leader is. There you go. That's good. I'm going to put you on the spot, Brian. Okay. I want you to define leadership by only using one word. That is on the spot. (laughs) It is on the spot. I wrote it here, not wanting you to see it or know that I was going to do this. But what word comes to mind when, yeah, when you think leadership? Mm. Leadership, not leader or lead, but leadership. I'm going to say movement. Movement, that is not a word I was thinking at all. Can you explain what you mean by, what do you mean by movement? Yeah, so we're always moving towards something. Um, We're always we're always moving towards something, and leaders do a great job of of moving in the direction of a, a goal or objective, really no matter the situation. So movement, the ability to, whether it's moving people's emotions or, or physically move, like in the sense of armies, logistically, uh, there's logistic leadership. There's really always movement towards something, and leaders are the head of that movement. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, I mean, the word I think I pick is responsibility. I think in the past I would have said purpose. I'm realizing now, though, that a lot of times we may not know the purpose until we look back at it. So for me, that that word honestly would be the responsibility. Because if you don't take the responsibility, then are you gonna are you gonna be a part of that movement? Is that movement going to take place? Right. So those are good. I'm glad. Yeah, that was an awesome word. That's not what I was expecting uh, to hear. Well, thanks for putting me on the spot. You bet. <laughs> Making me do some critical thinking real quick there. But, man, I, I do want to, you know, we've kind of developed, we teach leadership programs. We taught one this week, so a lot of this content is, is fresh on our minds. That's another reason that we're doing this podcast today. We've kind of developed our own our own sayings. We've taken a lot of the things. This topic is massive. Like I said, complete degree programs on it, book after book after book. Some of them are very similar. Some of them are very different. Also depends on the perspective of the author on what you get about leadership. Is it secular? Are they coming from a point of Christianity? Are they coming from a point of a different religion? And if they are, you're going to get different definitions of leadership. Just know listening to this today, I'm going to tell you right here in the first 10 minutes of the podcast, ours is coming from a biblical perspective. Well, it is. And I think we can look back to what who's the first person to be the leader like Mm -hmm. where did that even come from you know can we live in a society without leadership can you ever have a group of people that one person doesn't become the leader like can something come from nothing that's right (laughs) but i mean looking even at the animals out there you know this leadership thing is coming from somewhere It, it didn't just one day someone wasn't just like you know what i'm gonna be this like it, it's coming from somewhere, and so 
because <laughs> because we believe in a creator that had created the creation and all things within it, of course it comes from God, and that's that's where it's from. And and if you're not agreeing with that, then it's you're gonna have a hard time answering like leadership. Like uh, it would be very difficult for me to get it uh, in front of a group of people and teach leadership if I didn't truly know where it came from, you right, know, which, right. again, is from a creator, from the creator. Absolutely. Well, why don't you go ahead and share with our listeners the definition that we share in our programs for leadership. What is our definition of leadership? Yeah, well, you know, going through life, uh, different working at different places, being a part of different leaders, leadership styles, you, you learn which ones you hate <laughs> and which ones you love. Like, you know, and then when you look at the characteristics of that, you start putting them into little buckets and it's like, what am I, which bucket am I, do I show this? Am I leading like I like to be led, you know? And as I was going through the guide in the wilderness therapy side, my boss at the time taught me this definition and it has stayed with me. And I, and I, I feel it's the most accurate. It's the one that I, I want to, to live by. And the definition is it's the ability to guide others. And that's the cool part is, is there's more to this and bring out the best in others, no matter the situation. So it's the ability to guide others and bring out the best in them, no matter the situation. And so that is big. I mean, that's, I guess we could really sit down and have a whole hour talk on right. that. But the ability to guide, like, what does that mean? What does that look like? Can you do that? You know, how do you bring the best out of people? And not only that, through any situation, because good situations are and tend to be easier to help people. But when we're all in a crappy, terrible position, mindset, um, and those situations are going to come. They're going to come. Yeah. You know, are you still able to bring the best out in them when you're in those really toxic, bad situations? And I don't know. I don't know if you can. Um, I feel like there's times where I can and there's times where I've failed at that. Right. And I still have to live with those consequences. Yeah. And like I said, every, everyone is always leading or following. No matter what, at all points in your life, no matter the situation, you may go through Depending on, you may leave your home in the morning being the leader. Then when you get to work, you may be a subordinate. You may be the follower. And then after work, you may go to, I don't know, maybe an organization that you're part of. And you're the leader of that. You're going to transition through these in different moments. It may depend on the room you walk into at work if you're the leader or not. Absolutely. But you're always leading or following. But it is important for leaders and followers to both understand not only what leadership is, but what quality I'm going to say Christ-like leadership looks like. You know, we go back to Genesis to see he makes man a woman and leadership begins. He even places like, here's your dominion, giving you the authority. But don't forget, I'm your highest authority. Mm -hmm. I'm giving you some, and there will be people below you as well, like as you continue on from maybe from the, the husband to the wife to then the children as well. And so that's where we see this first real understanding of, what leadership is. And so that's why I think I go with the one word of responsibility, because when you are the leader, whether you are choosing to be or someone is telling you to be, or perhaps maybe making you to be, 
there is a responsibility with mm-hmm. that because you have to go do, you have to act, you have to move forward, movement, as you said, to complete whatever it is that needs to be completed. Right. You know, I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable for a second. Well, first I'll ask the listeners, have you ever said or heard someone say, most of us have probably at least said it in our minds at some point in time, man, I kind of have a problem with authority. Like, I don't want to be told what to do. I have a problem with authority. I don't, I do not like being told what to do. I don't really like authority. I don't like falling under an, any type of authoritative figure. It is an issue in my life, something that I have to work through and have been be- getting better on as the years pass. But what I have to come to realize and the truth that we should all keep close to our minds is that whether we like the person that is an authority, whether we agree with that they should be there or not, that all authority, all leadership is appointed by God. Whether that person believes in God or not, they are appointed by God. And I want to just quickly share scripture that, that proves that point. And this is Romans chapter 13. I'm going to start in verse 1 there, chapter 13. It says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Heavy on the word every there. Mm. <laughs> I don't get to exclude myself, you right. know? It's it's everyone. <laughs> uh-huh. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now, whether you think the president should be the president, whether you think your boss should be the boss, how did they get to this spot? I don't know. Guys, I've been there. I have had bosses and I've been like, I can't believe I have to work under this person. I cannot believe this person treats me or treats those people. I cannot believe the decisions. They should not be in this role. Well, guess who put them there? Mm -hmm. The creator of the universe. And it is for the good of his kingdom. Mm -hmm. And he knows what he's doing far more than I do. So I need to be humble and show so much more humility in those situations. And I would challenge you as as a listener, think of one of those situations in your life where you had a problem with authority. Did you keep that perspective that it, that it was a, a, a God appointment or not? Yeah, what you're talking about, I, I feel like the people that I've had discussions about this with, the second talking point that comes in here is, well, then are you supposed to do everything they tell you to do? You know, if they're not believers in Jesus and they're going to make you go, are you going to do what they say because they're your leader? And the Bible also tells us, though, that we follow God's law mm-hmm. and then man's law, right? And so anything that man's law is is maybe changing to make us do, if it's breaking God's law, then we shouldn't be doing that. That is the line. That That's is the line. line. The answer is yes, you should be doing what this person tells you to do, your leader tells you to do, until it defies God's law. And that is the, it's a pretty distinct line. There's a lot of topics in the Bible. There is a lot of topics in the Bible where there aren't distinct lines, where I'm kind of like, well, how do I know here? How do I know there? How do I know when to push someone out of my life? Or how do I know when to welcome them in? There's a lot of blurred lines, but that isn't one. If it defies God's law, then don't, then don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. And and there's going to be consequences. You know, there's consequences for not doing, (laughs) if you speed, you'll eventually get caught. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you're going to truly follow man's law, then drive the speed limit, and you won't have to worry about getting the ticket. But we always push the line, even in leadership. Like, my leader asked me to do this or not to do this. How far or what can I do maybe up to that point to see how far I can go before I, right. I have negative consequences? But, you know, 
leadership is just massive. Like the word leadership, like you've said before, you just said earlier that there are books after books after books, you know, but boiling it down, it's like the leadership though is about leading and it, and it kind of comes all the way to the single word of lead. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we're talking about in this moment. When you're talking about God, what do you do? It's, it's leading being the lead. Brian, you, you love the farm life. I know you would love to have some cattle. I know you'd love to have a horse. You know, I hate horses, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then I'll, we'll get you a little donkey then. Okay, okay I'll, I'll just rather have, have a little donkey. donkey. Yeah. But Jesus rode in on a donkey. I'll have one. <laughs> <laughs> but putting on, you know, that what they're going to call that lead rope. You know, yeah. you in that moment grabbing that rope. Most of the time, when you have a broke horse or donkey, they're going to follow you without truly like pulling that rope like they're they're broke you know they're gonna follow you but you still have to have that lead rope because there are some times where they want to pull back and i think that's one of the most important parts of leadership and and before we even understand like the leadership in the outdoors leadership in your home this is actually something i was really bringing up to our group um that we were able to go out we were blessed to go out and and engage with and play games with is really setting the expectations and like we as leaders must set expectations first and foremost. And that's maybe where you are having a problem with authority because if they set expectations that you don't agree with, then you may have a hard time following mm-hmm. that leader because you don't want to be placed under those expectations. Yeah, I, I actually think most of my issues that I've had with authority in, in the past have actually come from a lack of setting expectations of me wanting to say, what do you want from me? Right. What is my role? What do you need? And when there isn't that, that's when I start being like, well, this person doesn't know what they're doing. Why are they in this role? They can't even they can't even tell their followers what they need from them. And that's tough to be under. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I think what's even more tough for me, though, is that when someone sets those expectations and no one's following them and that leader isn't holding them accountable to doing what they asked Why'd them to they do. Why they even give them Why the, they? to begin with? Mm. Oh, goodness. Why <laughs> set expectations? Because what happens if if you set, yeah. whether whether it's as a parent, yeah. whether you're leading hundreds of people, whether it's just a few people at church, if you set expectations, the moment that anyone watches you not hold someone else in the group to that expectation, you would have been better off to zip your lips to begin with. I uh, was at a little kid's birthday party. <laughs> my uh, son was invited we went but halfway through the birthday party one of the kids is like hey can we get out the four-wheeler which i don't there's probably different brands now but my day they were called power wheels yeah so the yeah. power wheels you know Plast- the, plastic wheel electric motor yeah, battery yeah. powered yeah now they're souping them up with 20 volts like <laughs> you can get crazy so they get this four-wheeler out i'm like uh i don't know i mean you're talking seven-year-olds you know well they're all doing pretty well but one of the kids is a little bit younger than the rest. And one of the parents there said, don't drive that. And as soon as they said that, the kid goes over, hops in, and hits the gas. So the parent runs over, grabs like grabs the, the car, lifts it up so that they can't drive it. And like it's telling this kid, get out, get out, get out. Well, the kid gets out. So the other kids get back on. They drive circles or doing loops or chasing after each other. All the kids get out, and this kid's standing there by, its, by themselves, and it's like, you could just see it in their face, like, 
this is my chance. So this kid goes, gets back in. The dad sees this and says, do not drive that. And here they hit the button. They don't know how to steer it. Boom, they smash into the tree, right? The dad is like telling them, don't do it. Twice, twice. And I think in leadership today, we uh, like would analyze that and look at that and we'd be like, well, it's, it's that the little kid's fault. Like they should have listened to their dad. But through my world, world view of, of everything I've been through, for me, it's, it is the dad's fault. Like the dad told the first time and it happened, right? The, the, the kid went and did it. I then as a father know that just because I tell the kid, don't do it again, they're going to do it because I never set the expectations of if you do this, here's what can happen. Right. And that, and that parent didn't in that moment. And so it is that parent's problem fault. And I don't know why the parent didn't after the first time say, Hey, here's why I told you not to do it. And if you do it again, here's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But instead really there was no consequences. Yeah. So, like, so you're you're making the point to pair consequence with expectation. If yeah. I mean, don't but, do this. If you do, then. But the parent, I'm going to say he, he acted like, oh my goodness, you know, this, my kid just doesn't listen to me. Well, <laughs> no, no, your kid isn't listening. Right. So why are you acting like you're in shock? You let it happen twice. Yeah. You're the leader. Yeah, and whether you're leading Christ followers or not, we're, we are all human, human. sinners. So yeah. our natural inclination is to not follow authority, to not follow leaders, to not follow expectations without consequences, to definitely not know what to do if expectations aren't given. So start everything with giving expectations. That is how we start every single program. We yeah. give the expectations for what we expect of those people today and what we expect for them to expect from us, if that makes sense. No, it, it does. Uh, if we don't set the expectation, then how are they going to know mm-hmm. what to expect from us? And if we as leaders don't hold them to that, then we're, I don't think we're, we're going to be great at leading them. Right. And, and, and the reason I say you, you shouldn't have even spoken in the first place if you're not going to hold people to the expectations you set is because it, it really is... It really isn't a great look for you as a leader because you have just stomped all over any kind of trust that you had with your group, with the people that you're leading, because now they know you aren't a person of your word. You said, this is what I need, and then you didn't hold them to that. So now, no matter what you say, people are going to question, well, do they really mean it? Do they really mean that? And then people are going to start pushing. Kids are such a great example because it's just the simplest form and, it, and there's almost an innocence to it. But adults do the same thing that yeah. kids do. Yeah. But the, people are going to start pushing. How much can I get away with? You know, I I have been in roles where I've had over 100 people that, that I was leading. And if you, I mean, the second, the second that someone doesn't meet an expectation... People are going to come to you and want you to hold them to it. Yeah. And people will say, well, don't do the tattletale thing. Don't do the tattletale thing. What you really start to see when it's healthy is when they start holding each other, when followers start holding each other to the expectations and the leader doesn't have to step in. That's when you know when the leader isn't even present and and followers are holding each other to the leader's expectations. That's when you know that you have a good leader and that that group has some health within it. And you'll start to see that 
if you set those up front. And it isn't easy. There are no. some nasty, hard things that go on. The bigger the group, the more difficult it is. But the second that you have to hold someone to those expectations, just know it's going to stink. It isn't fun. But no. you can still do it with love and care. Yeah, you can. And, and that's that's what I was trying to say with that parent. Like, if love and care. I love and care for my kids so much that I am going to hold them accountable. You know, not only is it embarrassing for me as a parent, which most parents are embarrassed. It, it, yeah. And it's they almost get better to leave when, your emotions out of it, but it's so difficult yeah, to do. Yeah. I mean, when a parent asks their kids to do something and they don't do it, it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see it amongst the group if you're with other adults. Like, it's embarrassing for that parent. And I'm like, why, why are you putting yourself through that? Like, Love and care for your kids by setting expectations and holding them to it. And that is so hard. That's God loves us so much that he told us not to do something because he knew the consequences of it. Mm-hmm. We sinned. The yeah. consequences of that is death. That That is like crazy. You know, like we, there are, these are just crazy consequences. He told us not to do it, but because of sin, we did it. And he loves us so much, though, that he forgave us, but yet he still has to hold us accountable. And in that, that's why we still have death. He didn't just be like, you know what, guys? You messed up. You know, I know I know you feel bad about it. So I'm, there's not going to be death anymore. No, we still have death today. He could have not even given the human race a chance. <laughs> yeah, he could have just too. been like, well, I tried. Nope, done with it. There has to be accountability for those actions. Mm-hmm. And when there's not... There, it is a unhealthy dynamic. Yeah, you know, trying to get into total anarchy then when there can. isn't. Yeah, you know what is, what is a leader? When I was sitting down thinking about that, really just the other day, it is someone that has that authority, perhaps placed over you, or you chose to have them over you, right? But it's really it takes at least two people because a leader can never be a leader without right. At least one person. So what you're saying is there there are relationships. Well, leadership there, there has to is require always going to be a relationship because there are no leaders without followers. And if followers aren't going to jump into leadership, then you won't have a relationship. And what you were just talking about with your staff is a real relationship. Like well, you said, it's healthy. That's that's what we're always working towards is healthy relationships. And it does start with leadership. Mm-hmm. You know. When I gave the earlier, when we were talking about the definition, the ability to guide others, how do we do that? Like, how do I, how would I guide others in this moment? And that's the first thing because of my, the, the care and the love that I have for these people. I want them to, to be successful. I want them to feel good, like in the role that they have. And so that is why I would tell them first to set the expectations. And it may be from the company. It may be from the household, but honestly, me personally, it's going to be that servant leadership style of Christ from the mm-hmm. Bible. Like those are the expectations that that I try to set forth. Now in programs, I don't always talk about Jesus. I don't always use the name and say this is where this comes from. But the Bible does a great job of helping us understand how we should be more Christ-like and what those expectations look right. like. Right. And so that's how I first want to to guide others. Me personally, right. that's that's where that comes from. But some ideas of like how how can you guide others. Be knowledgeable of your role. I think that's that's where we talk about as a parent. Sometimes people may not know how to be a parent. They haven't seen it. They hadn't had it. What about at work? Well, I want to put 
a hard truth out there for parents because I see it a lot. And you know what? I Maybe my not-so-humble opinion, it is not an effective way to parent, and that is trying to be your kid's best friend. You can be their friend. You can be their best friend. I tell both of my sons that they are my best friends. I tell them that, and they are. But at the same time, they are going to know that I'm going to guide them. I'm going to lead them. When they are wrong, I tell them, look, daddy does not like to have to do this, but I have to because it's my job. And it is my job because of scripture. I don't have any of that ready, but spare the rod, bury the child. Like you, It is God appointed that you guide and direct and discipline your children. It isn't fun. It's just like holding people to expectations in the workplace. It is not fun. But you have to go back to that word responsibility. If you became a parent, you made a decision and a choice. You did. You accepted the responsibility. Guide your child. You can be their friend, but don't try to be their best friend, their best buddy. It, it's it's hard to ex- explain the difference, but I see it so often today, almost like this vicarious living. Well, I want to be. A, I want them to view me as their kid best friend. Um, you're you're going to end up with a child that doesn't really have leadership and that isn't good for, for them. It isn't good for them or for you. And I th- honestly, I think that starts with you first. You know, when we talked about the relationship and leadership, it the minimum is two people. It's you and someone else or you and others, a, a group of people. And in that simplest form, you know, after setting expectations – in holding accountability, honestly, it's knowing your potency and who you are as a person. Like, you know, we teach strengths. Uh, Gallup strengths is a great one. Um, it really helps you. You take your assessment and it kind of helps you identify, like, what are your strengths? What are you good at? And that whole understanding is don't even focus on the weaknesses. There's no point in working on the weaknesses. Get better at working on your strengths. But why that's so important is because once you know your strengths, your identity, and who you are, it actually helps then in your relationship. And so what I mean is you talked earlier about maybe belonging. We do, maybe we should do a Know Your Strengths episode. Oh, good. Yeah. That's a – well, but another I would big want project. people yeah. – anyone listening, I would want people to take that assessment so that we could, <clears throat> we could talk through that because what's crazy is that it felt very accurate for me. Like yeah. it, it felt like it really was me. It identified me. Most of these out there are a joke, mm-hmm. uh, but that's a whole other podcast. So – but knowing your strength, knowing your identity, and I'm talking about within that relationship, um, you had said belonging and connection earlier. And inside a relationship... I, I think that was before. I think we were off mic when I said that. But yes, but it's something we talk about a lot in, in relationships yeah. and in leadership is that there is everyone wants to be connected and feel like they belong to something. Right. And that's where we have to identify friend, belonging... Or the authority of this is my dad, this is my boss, Mm -hmm. this is my president, right? So, but in that belonging, in that connection, you have to then first know who you are and your identity because how we find belonging is we look for others that align with our identity. And as those, as we come together in those, now we have this connection. Right. And that's, that to me is that friendship piece because when we're placed in a family, like I don't get to choose if my identity and your identity are going to align. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we are together. This is mm-hmm. it. 
And that's raw because now I have to learn as a son to my father, I have to learn, well, how do I work through that when I don't agree with you? Right. You know, like those are those relationships because then when you go into the workforce, the workplace, there are going to be so many people that you don't agree with or align with. But how can you still work with them? How can you still submit to the authority if you don't agree with them? As long as it's not breaking your your morals, or your ethics, right? I'm just talking about normal day, like here's the task to accomplish this goal and how are we going to work together to, to achieve that? Yeah. You know, but you did say this on air a few minutes ago, and that's what I'm getting down to here is the word trust. And from the leader to the follower, you're building the relationship. You see identities within that. And as they align, we grow closer in relationship or maybe farther apart. But then we also internally have to figure out who we are so that we can work through all that to work together to accomplish usually a singular task together. But in all of that, it boils down to one simple thing, and it is trust. Mm-hmm. If you do not trust your leadership, you're not going to want to do what they say. Everyone wants to trust their leadership. All leadership wants to be trusted, but also everyone wants to be trusted by their leadership. People want to be trusted because they they want it, it makes them feel like they belong. It being trusted makes them feel like they belong. They get maybe more responsibility, they get promotions, those things, you know, something I've started using it. My my son, my oldest son is five, and he he's to a point now where he understands I've been able to explain what trust means. And something I've started saying that I have seen great impact, and I almost wish I started saying it sooner, when he does something that helps me to trust him, I tell him that. I say, you that is so awesome that you did that. That really helps me trust you. That makes me trust you more. And you can just see him light up. But it's like a different way of reinforcing, setting that expectation, reinforcing a behavior. Because mm-hmm. they, my son wants his dad to trust him. I mean, deep down, don't you want that? You want to be trusted. So when you tell someone, hey, awesome job on that. That really helps me to trust you. You're reinforcing a behavior that you, people are going to repeat again because they want to be trusted. It's just like deep down in our soul, we want people to trust us. And, and I think that's where now I'm getting into that second part of the definition of, of how do you bring out the best in others no matter the situation. Um, this is this is one way out of so many that you can do that. And the trust aspect can be broken as the leader when you set the expectations and you don't hold them accountable to it, then that trust is broken because mm-hmm. I've told them, listen, this is what I expect you to do. And if you can't do this, then you're out of here. You know, I'm like, I'm thinking more of the corporate world, but if you can't do this, then you're out of here. Right. And, and if when they break that or they don't do what they say they're going to do and you don't throw them out of here, what does the rest of the office then think? Like, mm-hmm. oh, they're still here. And, and But see, not only is it a broken trust between that leader and the one person that I'm referring to, it's also then a break of trust of everybody in the office because, dude, having to fire somebody, oof. like it is one of the worst feelings. <laughs> like even if they flat out, I, and I've never fired anybody that didn't deserve it. Oh, really? <laughs> but I'm telling you. Coming from the leader's point of view. I'm telling you. Well, and and I've had leaders over me that were like, "Hey, you okay, you have okay. to fire that someone." Okay. Like, right. like right. I was following a, but 
it is it is not fun. It is so difficult to do. Like I would love to just keep saying, you know what? We're going to work through this. Here's a new set of expectations. Here's an action plan. And and there's a place for that, but what is it? One, two, three strikes, whatever expectation you set. Yeah. But man, if at some point you don't, and there has been situations where I have fired someone and other people within the team came to me and said, thank you, because they they knew that that expectation needed to be met to keep their team and their workplace where it needed to be. And, and, and people recognize it when you step up to that. But my point is, as a leader is you are when you accept responsibility, you are going to accept some hardships and doing things like holding people accountable, even to the point of having to fire someone. It is not fun. It, I, I'll just speak for me. Maybe there's leaders and managers out there that like to fire people. It It is awful. It mm-hmm. stinks. Well, because there was trust broken. That's why they're they're going to have to go because there was trust broken. And that hurts, especially in a relationship. And then you also, because I believe you have, um, you lead from a that, that servant leadership style, that, that Christ-like leadership, and inside that comes character. And you understand the impact that this is going to cause, not only on this individual, yeah. but the their people family. around them, their family, yeah. their kids, their husband, their wife, whatever. You know that there's going to be a negative impact. And th- that's the love and care that we're talking about. Like, And it hurts. But that comes from our creator. I mean, he, he does that as mm-hmm. well. I mean, he, as the judge one day, I mean, there will be people that... Yeah. Yeah, you talk about... Talk about the ultimate holding to expectations. Yes, right. Yeah. And and thank the good Lord that I'm not the judge, that mm-hmm. you're not the judge. Absolutely. Because even in the moment when we're leaders and we have to we have to let people go, like that for most people brings a, a, a not good feeling to them. Are you firing me right now? Brian, <laughs> thank you for your services. <laughs> There's the door. You know, yeah. I have I have uh I've been a part of of some of those processes where, when higher le- higher level leaders have been have been uh, fired, I've had to be a part of that within the HR role. And, it's always ugly, you know. I think a lesson I learned is 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 kind of like ripping off a band aid. Yes, um, you just do it quick. Say what you're gonna say. Yeah, don't don't answer questions. No, there's no point. Mm. the the <laughs> The deed is done. Yeah, and I and, had some good leaders actually. I had some good leaders who I, I guess have had to fire a lot of people over their careers teach me how to do it. And that, that was some of their instruction, like rip the Band-Aid off. You don't have to explain anything. Nope. Don't say too much. If they want to ask questions, say what's happening, say what you need from them, and, and, and let it be done. But I want to I switch the focus off from that and back to the leader. Because like I said, at, at some point – even a 10-year-old kid, a 5-year-old kid, in there, at some point, we're all leading. Yeah. It may just be one other person, but we're always leading. And I want to stay with this expectation talk, but switch it back from the follower back to the leader. Well, that, let me do that right now in this transition here. So what you just said, you you knew a, a leader that has had to fire, like, multiple people. Mm-hmm. If you are a person that that's starting to happen, you're, you're having to fire, then... 
you have to start like really thinking about, right. is it the people that I'm firing's fault or is it mine? Yeah, look because in the mirror. You're going to have to look in the mirror. And it is hard to have an awareness when no one's telling you to or you don't have a mirror to look at. Like, mm-hmm. how do you know to change if you don't know how to change? But there's one wake up for you. If the people around you are leaving or you're having to <laughs> tell people goodbye, 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 yep. you might need to wake up to you in your leadership because something may not be uh, <laughs> be right there. Time, time to stop and analyze. And that kind of is where I'm wanting to get. The expectations that you set do not set an expectation that you are not ready to be held to. Yeah. Because you should allow your followers, if you want to follow or if you want to lead from any type of servant leadership position, you should allow your followers to hold you accountable to the expectations as well. And you should be holding yourself accountable to them. And don't go so far down the road that you don't set high expectations because you don't think you can hold yourself to them. Go ahead and set high expectations and know that if you fail, you are man or woman enough to own that you failed because guess what that does? It builds and restores trust. So if you set expectations... Think of a, I don't know, a, a crazy example. Uh, hey, uh, you can't drive that fast. Everybody that works here, you can only drive 15 miles an hour in the parking lot. Well, then you come down driving 40, and then when you walk in, somebody's like, hey, I saw you driving 40 today. Own it. What was the consequence that you would give your follower? Give your consequence to yourself. Own it so that they know and then don't do it again. Learn yeah. from it. Turn from Just it. like you would ask them to do. Yeah. But owning that is going to build that trust. Almost like, you know what? Thank you for pointing that out. I was stressed. You don't even have to give an excuse. I, I was stressed. I messed up. I'm going to... I got the last parking spot in the back of the parking lot for the rest of the week because I did that. And I am going to work to not do it again. Yeah. You know, I don't want to beat the setting expectations. I just want to beat it. Beat the drum, yeah. Beat the drum. Um, I think the I think what I want to kind of finish up on the expectation. Or is it beating a dead horse? Beating a dead horse, yeah. there it is, yeah. Is, you know, yeah, don't set expectations that you can't follow and show example by. Um, but but set them, like, realistically. You know, set real, real expectations that are realistic to whatever it is. Um Give an example for yeah, a parent okay. child. So, all right. So, when me and, when me and my son, um, let's say we're going to Walmart. I know that my son loves to play the claw machines. Like, this this kid could l- spend all of his savings on standing there and playing this claw machine. Now, I can't relate to that because growing up, I hated the claw machine. I knew they were rigged. They 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 don't even have when you, you do it correct. Oh my gosh, have I told him the rig? I've shown no. He, it's the excitement and the thrill yeah. of when it does grab. You see, it has nothing to do with actually this object. It's we have so many objects. We have so many stuffed animals, gadgets. Yeah, from these stupid trinkets. Yes, but we don't play with them. We don't care about them. It is in that moment of actually seeing it when it does pick it up and move it over. So because I know that he has got this problem, because <laughs> it is a problem, I'm going to let him know, hey, hey, bub, before we go into Walmart, like, we're going to go in and get out. We're not going to have time for the claw machine. Now, you see there, I, I ain't, I'm not telling my son, we can never do the claw machine again. I'm just telling him, no, hey, we don't have time for the claw machine today. Yep. Maybe next time. That is an expectation. 
I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. That just... is an expectation because some parents may not say anything at all. They may let their kids go to a birthday party and not say anything. Out the van they go when they go. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you what expectations to set. You need to find that as a parent for your kids. But whatever it is for each of those moments, that merit, you you need to then stop and be like, what do I need to talk to them about before they go? Yeah, you just you just sparked another thought that that we talk about a lot. Um, we do it almost second naturely now as a part of everything that we do. But you were giving your son the plan. Oh, and once you give the once a leader gives a plan to their <laughs> yeah. followers, be careful. You, you, <laughs> you be careful because you better that better be what you do. Yeah, better yeah. be what you do. But yeah. also, th- there's so much power in it because it. It's like a sigh of relief. Like if you are leading a group of people, whether you know them or whether you don't know them, whether studying leadership, one of the biggest things that that in my graduate program focused on, um, and then when I got into the real workplace and tried to utilize it, one of the most difficult things was change. When you make a change inside a team, inside of an organization, there is a proper way to handle that and there is a bad way to handle it, but it is difficult. Change is difficult by human nature. If you're going to make a change, let's say it's a let's say it's an accounting firm. You're going to go in and you're getting new software system for this accounting firm. Everyone that works there, every accountant, every accountant's assistant, everyone's getting a new software system. If you just run in there as a leader and say, "Hey, we're getting a new accounting software system." and run out, what is that group going to do? Panic. Sheer panic. panic. Mm-hmm. Sheer panic. If you run in there, this is this is how simple it can be. If you walk in there and say, hey, guys, we're getting a new uh, accounting software system. We're going to implement it on this date. Say, let's pick a date. September, Monday, September the 13th. We're going to implement it on this date in this time. Prior to that, everybody's going to get two weeks of training. We're bringing in so-and-so. And if you're not feeling comfortable by the time it's implemented, you're going to get a couple more days of training. And then you walk out. Mm-hmm. Just a few more sentences. How do you think people feel? You may still It changes hard, so you may still get some grumbling. But people are probably going to be able to go back to work and go throughout their day. Just because you told them the plan for the change that you're about to have, when before you told them nothing in just sheer panic, they probably couldn't even work the rest of the day if you did that. Yeah, when I was uh, in, in the organizational leadership program one of my courses was on like becoming a green belt for uh, lean six sigma and some of that was way over my head but something that i took from that and and really understanding like processes is that we as people when change happens it really is a death that occurs and something that i found is that the stages of grief is almost something that we go through when there's any kind of change like that and so you're really speeding up the stages of grief when you let them know, hey, we're going to be there to hold mm-hmm. your hand through it. You know what I mean? Because I think one of the stages is acceptness. I mean, you have denial, shock, sadness, guilt, bargaining, anger, depression, but acceptance comes there at the end or somewhere throughout there. And that's what you're helping them do, you know, because just by giving them a plan, it's just, just by giving them a plan. It's just words. That's but, all it is, is words. But, you know, back to my son, though, when we go into Walmart, he may ask one time, hey, dad, you got any change? And I just, I just quickly remind him, hey, 
What did we talk about? I don't even have to even half the time say, no, you, I don't have change. We're not going to do it. You know, it's just like, hey, son, what did we talk about before we came yeah. in here? And it's like, oh, you're right. Yeah. You know what I said. And and yeah. then and then we're good to go. But because I love him so much, I'm not going to do, do that to him every time at Walmart. There's going to be days that maybe I need to go five minutes early and say, yeah, grab 50 cents. I'll let you play one time. Mm-hmm. And you let him play it. Like... I'm not saying that you have to be this authoritative where it's you slap it on the hand, you can never do anything, no, no, no. But there's a reason as the leader of the home, a leader in the company, there's a reason sometimes that we have to set those things because, yeah, we either have to get home at a certain time or broke. I can't afford giving you the 50 cents, whatever that is. But there's a responsibility in being that role. You right. know, what's awesome about relationships, especially when you're co-leading, that's what marriage is. It's not just, I am not just a single leader and my wife isn't the single leader. We are co-leading together. And what's awesome about that is when she asked me to do something, if I was to tell her, hey, sweetie, I can't, she would understand and she would go bear bear the responsibility and do it. But that's where I think when you say, like, who are you as a leader? Who am I as a leader? You have to realize, you know what? She's asking me to do this. That's my responsibility. I need to go do it. I need to make sure that it gets done. And that is just just as important from leader to leader as it is also to follow, you know, follower to leader. Um, I hope that makes sense in that. But that's that's where that comes from um, in regards to expectations. You know, there are a lot of different uh, types or ways to lead. There are different ways that people come into leadership positions. And right. we, we couldn't possibly cover all those in this podcast. And Again, take your generic list of types of leadership, then open a different book and you're going to get a, a different list. Two that are kind of overlying, all-encompassing, that people are going to slide some of these other categories into. Really, you're going to have your servant leadership mm-hmm. or your authoritarian or autocratic. Yeah. And, and really, servant leadership is the idea of being with your followers, stepping up, serving you can't always do for them, but these people in a, in a servant leadership situation, these people know that you care for them as a leader. They know that if they need help, you will be there to help them. They know that if something happens and they can't, who's going to fill their role? The leader is. They know that the leader is not only going to walk ahead of them, but he's going to walk with them through things like change. The authoritative side, the autocratic side, what I want to say is all leadership styles can be effective. However, (laughs) it may not be great. Some will be effective in the short term. Some will be effective in the long term. But how you are actually making your team feel could be different. I, I could come to you, Ben, and say, you know what? I know this about you. You will do what I say. And now we've moved into that authoritative autocratic and you're going to do whatever I say no matter what. And I don't care how you feel. I don't care if it makes you feel like dirt. You're going to do what I say. Mm-hmm. Almost that kind of people like to say that that Hitler approach. Everyone is going to be my subordinate. You're going to do what I say or else. That's that kind of autocratic mindset where the servant leadership side is. You know what, Ben? I do know this about you now, but let's work through this together. I'm going to help you. Here's what I know. Here's what happened to me working through that. 
that that showing up in in almost this yeah walking walking through situations together not just saying you'll do what i say or else how many times have our listeners i know i've been in this position have you been in a position where you have a leader where you have no idea if they even know what you do or how to do what you do and they come to you and they say you know what you are going to get this done by the end of the day or else mm-hmm. how does that feel well i to break Not it good. down no and and to break that down everything that you're talking about at the core it is trust because when you're talking about hitler those people knew that if they didn't do what they were told to do they're going to be killed mm-hmm. you know they trust that to be true that they they know it to be true they've seen it they've seen that happen and so they fall in line on the other side of servant leadership yeah, fall in you. line. That's a great way. Autocratic is like fall in line behind me. Yeah, because yeah. you're going to pay the yeah. consequence, right? But in the servant leadership, it's still trust as well because there may be a day when you, the servant leader, asks me, the follower, hey, I need you to stay and give me another hour moving these sandbags to the edge of the waterway because a flood is coming. Mm-hmm. Now, because I trust you, if you don't show up, I still know because of that trust that you are doing what you're supposed to be doing as right. my leader. But where that hurts is a lot of places I've worked for, they would have asked me to stay an hour late to do sandbags. And then left. And they left. Yeah. And later I find out, well, they went home. Mm-hmm. That breaks my trust. If they would have just showed me that they would have come out one time if they weren't busy, like if they would have come out and done that beside me, now that trust is is so close, like I'm bonded, like I'm ready to do anything for you. And I think that's the power of servant leadership because you show what you're saying because you're doing it with them. Right. And then the times that you can't be there, because as a leader, you can't always be there. You've got other roles to play. Matter of fact, you should be in a position where you train your staff. Teach, educate, show. Yeah, delegate. Delegate. Let them have ownership then. That's why they're there. They want ownership in the role that they're doing. Yeah. And empower let them have that. Yeah. Empower them to do that. And then let them go to work, right? But there's times where when we when we have to go above and beyond, if we're not leading the way and showing what we're expecting and showing what we're wanting to do, it is really hard to build trust. You know, there are two pillars to leadership and, and everything we're talking about kind of boils down to these, which is skills and character and Skills can be taught. Like you and I, we can teach a lot of what we're saying right now. We can sit down and have classes on this. Uh, how do you change processes? How do you build your teams more effectively, whether they want camaraderie mm-hmm. or trust or um, maybe just how we talk to each other? You know, like what questions to ask and not ask in an interview. <laughs> exactly. Like whatever those skills are, right? But then you have character and you have this worldview of character, which all they're doing is leaving out God. Like, oh, we just, character's an important thing, but they don't qualify. Like, where does it come from? All character is Christ. Like, it comes from Christ. That's all of it. The healthy side of the character world of what we all want to be, whatever word we use, from honest to strong to, I mean, there's so many character words. I, I uh mm-hmm. Confidence. Uh, I mean, I could just keep going. Integrity. Integrity. There you go. Like all of those words. It's Christ. Mm -hmm. That is something that is so difficult to teach. Yeah. Because (laughs) character comes from knowing Christ. And that's a relationship in itself. 
Right. And as you begin to read his word, dig into who Christ is and build a relationship with him, that is where the character can changes from him. But you and I coming in, you and I can, I, I don't believe man can change any man's heart. Right. Yeah, that comes from Christ, Christ and and that's where that character comes from. And so that's why leadership can be difficult because when we live in a secular world where we we don't have consequences for not believing in a God, our God being Yahweh, his son, Jesus Christ. No no consequences yet. Secularly. Yet. Yet. Correct. Because of that. Now people can construe our message and and come in with, well, that's not how I lead and and we don't need that style of leadership. Mm-hmm. And it, it becomes so broken and nasty that you will see and have seen companies that have fallen apart um, from within. I mean, right. they, they've totally, totally crashed out because no one wants to stay there or be there because right. it's like toxic. Well, we encourage, and and I'll, I'll be the first to say as, as humbly as I can, I try to model and I've tried to utilize servant leadership, but there have been times when I haven't. There have been times I've regretted the way that I've went about things. Absolutely, it's hard to stay under that umbrella. It is probably the most difficult way to lead because you have to give of yourself. I mean, that that is the root of the word, servant. Like, you have to give of yourself in this style of leadership. And I want to encourage everyone, whether you are a child and you have siblings Maybe you're the older child, sometimes the younger child's leading. Whether you are a parent, whether you have a job where you have two employees, three employees, whether you have 600 employees, whether you are just leading a a Bible group at church, whether you play on a sports team, whatever leadership role you find yourself in in your life, and you will at some point, try to fall under the servant leadership and umbrella. I truly believe it is the best. I truly believe it is the most effective. And here are some things I want you to look for if you want to ask yourself, is this the way I'm leading? If you're a follower and you're wondering, well, what is my leader's style? Do you feel like your leader knows you and cares for you? Do you feel like they care for you? If you can say yes, then they are probably coming from a servant perspective. If you can say no, then maybe that isn't their style. As a leader, ask yourself, have I spent time getting to know my followers? Do I care for them? Have I heard about their troubles of life outside of work? Do I know anything about these people that isn't about work? That may be a good place for you to start to know if you are in a caring enough position of heart to truly serve these people rather than just being their work leader. Yes, the heart being sensitive, um, some other identities like the generous in actions. That's something that, that I was teaching and talking on of, you know, it, it feels good when, <laughs> it, it does, it feels good when somebody tells you good job. Also feels good when a company or, well, let's just say your, your boss. But don't get caught telling somebody good job when it wasn't. Like, don't be Correct. disingenuous because Correct. if someone sees that, whoo. A lot of damage. Well, you're breaking trust again yes. because it's not genuine. It's not real. At the core of all relationships, like if you're fighting with somebody, it's because they've either broken trust with you. They've broken your trust or you've broken your trust with them. Like Usually both. Yeah. And, and at some point it is. Um, you know, servant leadership qualities, you know, determined even when criticized by staying on track with mission, by focus through obedience. Now, that's a sentence that I have written down. And the reason I wrote it was to share with people about servant leadership that 
You have to have the obedience, but you also have to know the mission. And, I, you know, I'm going to be honest, right? I'm going to be honest. There are so many times in my life that I don't honestly know my mission. And, and I think I've been struggling that with as a leader. And it is so difficult to lead if you don't know what your mission is. And so I have to always narrow back down to what is the purpose of me being on earth? It's to share the good news. God saved me. I want people to know that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep that until God reveals more about what else am I supposed to do as a leader, especially through my servant leadership. Like, right. what is my mission? What am I supposed to do? And I think there are so many people out there that that are craving that today of like, what is my purpose? Like, what is my purpose? But remember, you are either a leader or a follower in every second of every day. Yeah. So like, if you're placed in a leadership position, that is your mission right now. If It may just be your kids, your wife and kids. It may be your husband. It, it You are in a leadership position. That is currently your mission until the next thing comes. Yeah. And I am hoping that you're doing it through alert, uh, servant leadership style because just like you've been telling Brian, it's – it's the healthiest. It's it's it truly is the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really it, is. It's the one that Christ followed in the utmost. I mean, he gave his life. He is servant leader. He let his like. <laughs> I heard this beautiful this this picture the other day of, I guess mind imagery the other day of. Back in those those Roman times, when they put someone on the cross, there was an account of their wrongs. They would literally write it out and nail it to the cross. And so I would think about, well, looking at God's law, my list, they might have to get a second cross to fit my list up there, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, amen. Yeah. But God's up there on my cross and his blood is literally going down my list of wrongs, smearing my ink, covering all those wrongs. You can't even read it anymore because... His blood is dripping down over that. And that is the most servant leadership that will ever have ever happened. Like that yeah. is the epitome of serving. He completely gave himself in his life just for me, but also for every other person that's ever existed on earth. Now, I can't really beat that. <laughs> that's, I mean, that should be the last thing we say. I, I, I am going to add in here because I do have it in my notes is that, servant really means not seeking greatness for yourself. And I want to say that really loud for everyone listening, that to be a servant is not seeking greatness for yourself. So when you're a servant leader, you're doing it because it's the right thing to do and not expecting some attaboy, mm. not expecting some bonus at the end of the year, not expecting glory for your own <sighs> ego and pride. Like, Let's just admit, though, that is so hard. That is so hard, hard to do. Yeah, that's that's what because Adam Boy feels Christ good died for us. We can't yeah. be Christ. Yeah, yeah. But in trying to be that, that is where the truth lies. That is where people that are our followers see that we are striving to be that. Because there are days that trust may be a little broken, mm-hmm. but when they see that you are striving to move forward, because whether people know it or not. Everyone knows that, that each person is a sinner. Like, we're all sinners. Like, that, we're not perfect. When you mm-hmm. ask somebody, are you perfect? No way. And no one can truly say that they are perfect because of that. That's why we can't be perfect in being a leader to our follower. So you're going to have some lines there that are being crossed. But when people see that you are genuinely working and striving to be better. Yeah. And owning when you mess up. 
and by owning it, yeah, yeah. then pe- then people can forgive mm-hmm. and trust can be rebuilt. And that's what I want people to know. If trust is broken in a relationship, it can be rebuilt. It isn't like a well, it's gone forever. It can always be rebuilt, right, and regrown. You know, there are probably some listeners thinking, I don't ever, I don't want to be a leader, or man. I just don't know if I'm capable of that. Like I, I don't have that in me, and it is a skill, and and God divvies out skills for His glory to who He wants to have these particular skills. So, leadership. Everyone has a leadership cup, whether you like it or not. You have some leadership capabilities. Now it's just like basketball. Ben, you and I are never going to play in the NBA. Those, what? The, what? <laughs> sorry to break your heart. What? <laughs> Now that you're almost 40, yeah. sorry to break your heart. Uh, I, my, I, I was planning on it. Yeah, right. But my point is like that we clearly see that and we clearly know that. That's easy to understand. People that play in the NBA, whatever pro sport, whatever, they're highly skilled and they're using what God gives it, what God blessed them with to do that, right? Leadership is very similar. It's just harder to see. Some people have bigger leadership cups. Some people leadership's cups are smaller but no matter what we all have leadership capabilities and we should always be moving towards filling that cup up we should always be becoming a better leader whether it's reading a book or studying god's word and looking how god modeled that for us we should always be filling that cup because once it starts to overflow now you're pouring that out on someone else and now they're growing, and now you are truly leading because not only have you grown, but the people with you are growing. And like you said at the beginning, bringing the best out of everyone in no matter what the situation, we got to fill that cup up to do that. You do. You talking through that reminds me of of really Johara's Johari's window. And for a listener, just look this up when you when you get home, as long as you're not driving, right? Look this up, J-O-H-A-R-I, Jahari. It's about relationships, and it is hard to describe. However, there's four boxes, and this is that perspective in regards to a relationship. And so when when you so are like, standing— It's like you're playing a game of four square. You remember the old game four square, yeah. you bounce the ball? You have yeah. four, a square divided into four equal— Segments. Squares, yeah, and yeah. It, and that's why they call it Jahari's window, is because these these squares kind of look like the old style, look like a window. window, right? But and why I need you to look it up is because it does have to do with perspective, and you have you on one side of the window, and then others are not on the opposite side, but adjacent to. I guess it would be what I'm looking for of the window. And what happens is in the one square where you and the others are, are basically touching, it's where you're open. It's what people see about you. It's what they know about you. Um, the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it, it could be that. It could be just the first time they meet and you're smiling and you seem to be a happy person, right? But then you have this perspective of, of the box that the others can't see, which we call that the hidden, the stuff that you're keeping you don't want anybody to know about you or the relationships. Then you have a box that's away from you and closer to them that really is called, it's, it's, it's the blind box. It's, it's where they can see it and you can't. And then the last box is unknown. People can't see you and you don't even know about yourself. And that unknown side, some people are worried about, I want to know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And leave that to God. 
Like that's on God. But the areas that are blind, like that is an awesome opportunity to begin to dig into. And how you can do that is be vulnerable and ask other people, especially those people that are close to you. Ask the tough questions about yourself of, hey, when when things get tough, how do you see me respond to that? And just because they give an answer doesn't make it 100% true because it is their perspective, but it gives you some sort of truth to where you can use that as a mirror so you can begin to find areas within yourself that you want to grow and get better at. If I stay in a room all day by myself, then the only person that I'm, I'm hearing from is me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's really good when you have those healthy relationships to to be vulnerable and ask other people. But check out Jahari's window. You're, it makes sense as you see it. And then really, really find those areas that you can grow and get better because even if you don't want to be a leader, at some point you're going to have to be. And this is a great place to start really analyzing who you are and learning a lot, of, a lot more about yourself. You saying that gave me a thought. Uh-oh. And that's exactly what I want to talk about. Let's do it. Before I wrap this up, tying yes. it back to, to the outdoor industry and the outdoor world, because yes. that is the world that we're in. It is. After all, and that's why we care about leading this way so much, because we need it. We need it in the outdoor industry for sure. But I want to talk about thoughts for just a second. And this is so important for followers, but leaders really, really, really need to be focusing on their thoughts because leaders have to be healthy if they want their team to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And our thoughts, it all begins with our thoughts. Humans can only think one thing. We can't think more than one thing. At a time. At a time. Yes. That's right. why, Ben, when you're on your phone texting and I have a conversation with you, when you come up from texting, what do you say? Huh? What? What? Because we can't have more than one thought at a time. Purple monkey. Everybody quit thinking about Meant to Be Outdoors podcast and started thinking about the purple monkey. They did. And they're probably still thinking about the purple monkey. We can only think that one thought. But what is so powerful about thoughts is that they're just unspoken words, right? Correct. So they're just words that are that we haven't said. We really want to say them. We're having them in our... We think, want about, to say- think about how much you're talking. Yes. <laughs> like, because, all right, again, thoughts are unspoken words. So inside your brain, you are talking and talking and talking. Um but that isn't verbal. Like, right. uh, you know, we have conversations in our head all the time. Unspoken words. That's all they are. That's what thoughts are. And I guess the question is, is are you positive or negative in those conversations? Right. And I want to share why that, why I want to get to why this is so important for leaders. Our thoughts become our actions. Yep. We have to think it before we can act. Our thoughts become our actions. And as a leader, what you do is 100 million times more powerful than anything that you will ever say. Have you ever had a leader that you just thought, man, they are just a talking mouth. Like they come in and they just da-da this and da-da that, and you're like, you're not ever going to do that. I've never seen you do that. You're not going to hold up to what you say, and then something bad happens, and they come in and they just try to talk their way out of it. We all know somebody that tries to talk their way out of everything, and you don't trust them. People are watching what you do, far more than what you say. So Mm -hmm. if our thoughts dictate our action and our action dictates our ability to lead people well, we need to start at the root, which is filtering our thoughts. We live in a world where there is more marketing and media vying for your single one thought that you can have in a moment. They want it now so that they can get your money. Yes. Absolutely bombarding you. And most of it is secular and sinful. 
nasty stuff. Yeah. You have to take control and be intentional intentional about filtering what your thoughts are. Yes. If it's bad, push it out. Try to have a good thought. And it's tough. You, oh, yeah. you're, I'm not saying don't ever have a bad thought again because it's mm-hmm. going to happen. But be intentional about trying to filter those out. What our eyes see dictate our thoughts as well. So filter what your eyes are seeing. That's all I really need to say to that. But be so careful that people are watching your actions far, far, far more than what you're doing. And that starts with making sure your thoughts are in the right place. Oh, those are good words, Brian. And and others follow our actions. And sometimes when there's a lack of action from a leader, um, it really hurts the group, man. Like, it hurts. And I think looking at this outdoor industry, you have these mouthpieces like you, you have these people that that have been told what to say and they get up and say it here's mm-hmm. here's a, one of those words is conservation yes you know you and i lived within the conservation world and what breaks my heart is that i love conservation mm-hmm. i love it i think it is so important that everyone should be using our natural resources wisely right that's conservation Using, using, yeah, right. Somebody, using, and, and and we're not we're not not using it. Right. That's not conservation. That would be preservation. Preservation. That's what we're talking about. Conservation. Wise use. But then when you see the leadership within the, these outdoor industries, some of them aren't using it wisely. Mm-mm. It's just more of a good talking point to perhaps make a little It's a more really money. powerful marketing word. It is. Conservation is a really powerful marketing word in the outdoor world, and it gets used and abused to make a buck. Um, and a lot of those people that are using it couldn't even give you the definition that we just gave you, that it's using a natural use or resource Correct. wisely. They yeah. couldn't even give you that definition. Correct. They don't know what it is. And so if you want to know... If people are using it with right intent, ask them what the definition is. Yeah, if they can't good. give it to you, then they're using it for their own their uh, own good. You know, on the flip side, like the word climate change. Like our climate has changed since I've been a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't have the snow where I live like I did when I was a kid. But because it's been marketed and and used for this certain agenda, like no longer can I use or feel right. like I should use the word climate change when that may be something within the conservation world we need to talk about. So – yeah, some people just use conservation as as a word to get people to commit, um, usually for financial gain. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hope that we as the people can filter and see through some of that, and we make for sure that we keep our places that we want to use um, usable. You know, yeah. it's 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 our responsibility as the people that own the outdoors that we take care of it. It absolutely is. And, and and because of that importance, that's why I think people stepping up and being leaders in whatever outdoors, I don't even know the word, uh, discipline you're in, whether there are people that focus, you and I get scattered into all of it, but there's right. people that are only in the disc golf world. There's only people that are only in the golf world, the backpacking world, the hunting world. The fishing world, there's people that are only in the walleye fishing world. Like Just bow hunting. These disciplines <laughs> get divided out. Yeah. Wherever you find yourself, be a leader in that area and be a leader of truth. And why we need leaders the most in the outdoors is because of God's... God set such an example with the outdoors 
God used the outdoors as his setting for teaching more than he used any other setting in the Bible. He utilized the outdoors. The outdoors is so impactful. He was the greatest. Christ was the greatest leader that has ever set foot on this earth, and he utilized the outdoors. So, of course, when we're talking about leadership, we want to encourage people to use the outdoors for leadership, but we also have to step up as leaders. We all have influence in whatever area of the outdoors that we like to take partake in, but we have to be stewards. We have a responsibility to be stewards of that area and we have to have the the awareness to know, are we in a conserv- conserve? Should we be in a conserve mindset? Are we using the resource wisely? Or have we moved past that and now we're in preserve? We have to stop using it to save it. We need to pass on good principles and ethics as leaders in the outdoors to the next generations. If we aren't being leaders in the discipline that we are in, then we aren't going to pass on proper procedures, ethics, and principles to the people that are coming up behind us. I want to give some ex- just a few examples so people are like, what is he talking about? In the hiking backpacking world, you go out east to Appalachian Trail. What did you call them? Well, the, they're, they're, yeah, they're called um, uh, TP flowers. TP flowers yeah. everywhere, which is people not taking ownership of their bathroom habits in the outdoors. Lack of responsibility. Lack yeah. of responsibility. Yeah. They haven't taken even leading themselves or their party to use the bathroom correctly in the outdoors. So you have toilet paper everywhere. So you go out on this big, long backpacking trip to one of the most beautiful places in the world, and you have to see and know where people poop. And guess what you see when you see a teepee flower? You you have, we can only have one thought at a time. Guess what you think yeah. about somebody pooping? Pooping. Like, that that isn't good leadership that isn't good stewardship of an outdoor resource in the hunting world people use and abuse in so many ways in the hunting world from poaching to trespassing there are so many ways and we all know they're wrong but what i want to talk about is how people treat each other right in the hunting world there is such this i have to be well, it's a peeing match. It's a peeing match. I have to be better than this person. I hunt this way, so I'm a real hunter, and you're not. I only shoot four-year-old bucks. You shoot does? What's wrong with you? I can't believe you would shoot a button buck. Like, it is constant. Right. So much so that people that love hunting can't even really talk about what they're doing, especially not online, or they're going to be a martyr. We need leaders to step up and communicate clearly that spending time outdoors harvesting food that isn't full of antibiotics and and all kinds of medicine and bringing it home to your family, that that is God's design. That is what we're supposed to do. He gave us dominion. We need leaders to communicate clearly to groups like PETA, hey, this is God's design. We are ethical. But if we don't have leaders setting those examples, spurring the whole group of hunters on, it is never going to be that way. In the fishing world, it's very similar to the hunting world. Oh, you fish with that? You fish with that technology? Well, right. you don't know how to fish. You don't know how to fish. Oh, you use two rods? You troll? You use that tactic? Well, you're not a fisherman. I would never do that. Live bait? Oh, you Well, get out of here with all that nonsense. <laughs> we want people to be outdoors. We do. We Please want go. them to be outdoors. What about people that go above and beyond 
their limit on what they're supposed to catch a fish. They catch 30 fish instead of the 15 they're supposed to have a crappie and take them home. What kind of example are they setting by not following the conservation regulations for that resource? You need to be a leader in whatever discipline you love in the outdoors. Be a leader in getting in someone into that discipline that you love. Teach someone how to do it the right way. We need people to serve others in the outdoors or we are going to lose it all or you're going to see all kinds of regulations go away. You're going to see animals that you love to hunt. You're going to see your right to hunt them taken away because we don't have leaders in habitat. Right. Our habitat for our wildlife is being destroyed across our country. Turkey numbers are down. When's the last time you saw a quail in the wild, Ben? Uh, I haven't heard one in a long time. Years and years, <laughs> Yeah. right? Yeah. People need to step up and say, habitat, 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 let's go do this thing instead of just getting on social media and saying, look how big and bad my gun and truck are. So honestly, well, all this is boiling down to, you literally said, let's go do this thing. You didn't know I did this. I And I have never done this for leadership. Like I said, I've taken, I'm a master's in organizational leadership, and I've never sat down and actually did this until this podcast. So how do you define leader? So we've talked about leadership. So how do you define leader? When, this is all Google. This is all from Google's uh, definitions or perhaps Miriam. I kind of jumped. I just looked real quick. So how do you define a leader? The answer is, is a person who leads. Huh. Okay. So what does it mean to lead? Lead is to be in charge or command of. Okay. Well, what does it mean to be in charge of? Mm-hmm. Well, having control of or responsibility for. Okay, what is responsibility? To deal with something. What does it mean to deal? Well, it's to take action. What is action? It is to act. What is act? Do. (laughs) To be a leader is to do. Yeah. And I like the word responsibility because it, it holds more within the word do but you got to go do. Are you sitting around waiting or are you doing? Yeah. If, yep. if you see TP flowers everywhere, you better be telling anyone following you to never do that. Teach them how to do it correctly where they bury it or mm-hmm. take it, pack it out with them. You need to be teaching your followers how. And if you have a problem with it, then you and your followers may need to go clean that area up. That yep. is due. That's due. That's and, and, and that's yep. what we're asking. Like, That's leader. If, if you're, you're a parent. taking the lead on that for sure. Yeah. If you're a parent, take your kids outdoors. Mm-hmm. Do. And, you know, I know that I know we're getting long and and actually we're going to skip some things that are on our outline for this podcast. But there's just so much to say. And if you can't tell by our voices, we're passionate about this. Oh, we love it. We're passionate. We we love it. And it just it it definitely falls into the outdoors, but it falls into every aspect of life. But you said you just encouraged parents to take their kids outdoors. I just got done encouraging all outdoorsmen to take someone into their discipline I mentioned earlier, we should all be trying to fill our leadership cup. As leaders, you mentioned that we should be helping our followers grow, empowering Mm -hmm. them, right? Yes, correct. The learning zones. You have your comfort zone, which Mm -hmm. is where you're good. You know what? That may be in your recliner, watching ESPN. You have your comfort zone. Something that I didn't teach the other day, and I wish I would have, is that You know, there is this understanding that uh, if a woman was being abused, that to her could become comfort because she's 
more scared to leave. Mm-hmm. And so it isn't just this concept or idea of I'm just going to go lay down right. and sleep or it's this, it's something that you're so familiar with. You're scared to get outside. That you're of scared this. to get yeah. outside of that. You're, yeah. you're good to keep going back to this. Right. You're comfortable with right. it. Right. So that's your comfort zone. And inside that comfort zone, there is no learning that takes place. You're not filling your cup as a leader and right. you're not empowering or filling anybody else's cup. So we have to get to the stretch zone. We don't want to go all the way to the panic zone because there's no learning there. But in that middle zone, it's called the stretch zone or the you're being challenged but not pushed too far. You want to you want to put yourself there as a leader and you want to put your followers there as a leader as well. Why I bring that up is the outdoors. Jesus used it more as a classroom than anywhere else. Yep. The outdoors, whether you are experienced or not, whether you spend 300 days a year outdoors or whether you spend one, the outdoors is going to put you in your strength zone and take you out of your comfort zone. You are going to be learning whether you're there to learn or not. Yes. So go outdoors and take people outdoors. And that really is a a short summation of of that whole concept. But get in that stretch zone out of your comfort and an easy, foolproof way to do it is to go outside. Yeah, go. Go. If you don't know how, Give us a call. We'll we'll yeah, or or help just you. go, just go, just try it, <laughs> just try it. If if you really really want some help, you could give us a call. But get outdoors and try something new. And Ben, you you harp on this. You have helped me really understand this long long ago, over a decade ago. I don't know. We began our friendship 13, 14 years ago. Something now. You really helped me to understand this. And this is something that we teach now. We and and I I don't want to say we harp on, but we want people to know this. So because you're still listening to this podcast, you are invested and you're probably going to take quite a bit away from this. But if you only take one thing, it's what we're about to say. Mm -hmm. And then we'll wrap up. Your self-worth, who you are, the worth of you listening. It does not matter how you perform. It does not matter how well you do anything. People get so caught up in Oh, if I can't do this, or if they see me do it this way, what people think, that they think they aren't important. They think they don't have worth, Mm -hmm. but we all are. So don't worry about how well you throw the disc. Don't worry about how well you cast the rod. Don't worry how good your shot is. Don't worry if you only harvest one deer every five years. It doesn't matter. Go do something that you enjoy. Go do something that challenges you. Lead people to do that. Better yourself and better others and stop worrying about what other people think of you. That is the core, the key. Stop worrying about trying to prove yourself to other people. You can't lead from that position. You can't. You know, as you find those areas that you need to grow, put them down on paper, slowly work on them, but that isn't your self-worth like i if someone is is going to judge you on that then they're probably not someone that you should you should be right um allowing to be your authority or or around and so reevaluate your relationship in in some of those areas yeah well this podcast got a lot longer than i think we thought it was going to (laughs) be by about 30 minutes we'd plan about an hour um and honestly we there's like we said it it's such a huge topic, but we said a lot of things that, that we feel deep down in our hearts, things that we have been blessed for God to show us through trials in our lives and roles that he has put us in. Please, if there's any way that we can help you, whether it's getting outdoors or you have questions about leadership or questions about parenting, even we're not perfect parents, but we are passionate about trying to be good parents and doing it the way that Christ has prescribed, 
please reach out to us, m2beoutdoors at gmail.com. You can message us on Facebook, on Instagram as well. Follow along on those social media accounts. We like to post videos and things as we go along. We haven't been posting a whole lot lately, but we've been talking about getting back to that. We just have so much going on. That is one of those tasks that seems to fall off the bottom of the list sometimes. This is going to be it for this episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. We will be back next week with a brand new episode. We hope that you remember between now and that time, you are meant to be outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.